Welcome to Preparedness Thoughts with John Stephenson. John understands the importance of being prepared. Through rain, rocks, and snow, he has seen it all and survived. He has seen major disasters like Mount St. Helens and how vehicles were stopped in the street from the volcanic ash. Earthquakes, too, including the Loma Prieta earthquake, which felt like it wouldn't stop shaking. People were without electricity and could not hardly buy groceries or gasoline. The homeless lit bonfires in the streets. The Bay Bridge and other freeways were broken. God only knows what will be next. Welcome to Preparedness Thoughts by John Stephenson. We invite Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit to guide us as we examine how our preparations can be used to preserve the life of ourself, our family, and others. I would like to know what's coming. So who should I listen to? The politicians speak the loudest, but it seems they have confidence, but their record is not so good. Um, historians, they study the past, uh, but not the future. Some say we should listen to them, and others say we shouldn't. How about Bible scholars? They say the Bible's always right. But we don't quite know when things are going to happen from them. And you can think about Nostradamus and other fortune tellers, but really it's pretty hard to decode what they have to say. And besides, if you look at what they have said in the past, they have a especially fortune tellers, they have a 50-50 chance of being correct, and that's the same as flipping a coin. Okay, so who else? I know, how about prophetic Christians? Uh, they tend to warn you instead of being a predictor, but um, there is still a chance, and, and there have been ones who've predicted accurately in the past, and they have said some very interesting things about the United States and what we could expect. First, I will say, in general, they say that there is a spiritual darkness to come over the land, followed by the spread of, well, let's call them difficulties or calamities in a physical sense, but nobody is given dates. And about these people, they, they don't... Well, anyway, if you want to know names, uh, that's a different matter. Today, let's just talk about uh, one who has a good reputation, and that's David Wilkerson. He is uh, basically from New York City, and he has become widely acknowledged to be a prophet of God. And when he did speak prophetically in his 1973 vision, there were things that would happen, and we can listen to them and be cautious. The first thing he said was that there would be a worldwide recession and the second thing would be earthquakes, famine, and a cosmic fire in the sky. And third, that there would be an abundance of filth, like pornography. And fourth, there would be rebellion in the home. And fifth, there would be Christian persecution. Now, what about all these things happen, happening? Well, we still don't know when, but there's, there's uh, all these things that a prophet of God says will happen. Um, all this does also include a, a super world church with uh, widespread homosexuality and occult practices. So, in general, there will be Christian persecution and calamities. Now, after giving his warning about all these things happening, he says, but don't worry because... God has everything under control. Yeah, that's right. God has not given us to have a spirit of fear, but rather a sound mind. So that was his abbreviated description of his 1973 vision. So like I said, recession, earthquakes, famine, and cosmic fire in the sky. We don't exactly know what that is, but there will be a bunch of things happening. So I say, like I always do, start your preparations now before there is an urgent need and what you want is hard to find. This is episode 38, and remember to give thanks to God for the blessings that you do have. Your letters with questions or donations are important. 
John Stephenson, P.O. Box 7222, Chico, California, 95927. Email prepareforgod at usa.com or call 628-7222. Thank you for listening to Preparedness Thoughts on KKXX. I save your God to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. Settle up your horses. Welcome to Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter. This is the program that proclaims liberty to the captives of our beloved nation, where truth trumps political correctness, where the uncompromised word of God exposes the works of darkness and sets free those held hostage behind the iron curtain of a shamelessly biased media. For God has called us to stand for truth, and having done all to stand, we will stand. It's time to fight the good fight of faith to preserve our country, our families, fortunes, and sacred honor to protect our property, our schools, and yes, maybe even salvage some of our churches. America, we have a trail to blaze. It's time to saddle up. It's time to ride. Now, here is your host of Red Sky Radio, Rob Walter. Well, hello, America. Hello, the whole globe. We want to welcome everybody around the globe as Red Sky Radio has gone global. Uh, we have people listening all over the place today, so this program, you're going to hear me address America. Uh, this is where we are, uh, but we are reaching out across the entire uh, planet with Red Sky Radio beginning last week, and we are very, very thankful for that. Uh, uh, for those of you who are new listeners, of which we have, according to our reports, we already have thousands of new listeners. Not just in the United States, but across the globe. Uh, just a couple of things I want to share. This is a program where I try. I start with good news. I try to end with good news. We have to deal with the reality in between. We take contemporary issues and apply the Word of God to them whenever and wherever possible. And it doesn't matter whether you're in the United States, Canada, Russia, Saudi Arabia, India. does not matter where you are. The Word of God applies just the same. I only have one experience to use as an example for the application of God's Word, and that's what's going on in the United States, and that's what we're here to uh, tell you about and what God's Word says uh, to those particular issues. So without any further ado, I'd like to—you know what? I've got to back up already. Many of you are listening uh, for the first time or at the most the second time to this program as we have expanded, expanded globally, you may reach me, and I would love to hear from you. It's an easy email address, info, I-N-F-O, at redskyradio.net. Info at redskyradio.net. Okay, let's get rolling here with the good news. Well, I just kind of spilled the beans. The first part of the good news, before we get to the election coverage here in the United States, this program is being broadcast, uh, I'm sorry, is being taped very first thing, Wednesday morning, November 7th. I have purposefully excluded all media analysis and media coverage from this election in my analysis. I don't read it. I do eventually read it. And I look for uh, insight maybe here or there. But honestly, I pray about it. I, 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 I kind of go with what I sense God has given me as an analysis, a breakdown, a debriefing, if you will, of what's happened politically, which means what is happening spiritually. As I've said before, you cannot separate the two. I mean, you people say, ah, politics and religion, they're like oil and water. Uh, and they say, well, you know what? If politics is the water, spirituality, faith, Christianity is the oil. If they don't mix, they do. But, but in any event, the oil ends up on top. The faith drives politics. Politics doesn't drive faith, except among the cowards, 
and the compromisers, those are the ones who let the politics drive their faith, meaning they don't have any faith. They aren't worthy of the kingdom of God because they don't have the guts to stand up to anybody or anything if it might mean that they won't be liked. Now, understand, for those of you listening in a part of the world where there is more, pers- there actually is persecution against Christians. We're suffering harassment for the first time ever. Intimidation is growing. Persecution a little bit here and there. We know it's coming, but we probably haven't experienced what many of you have or are throughout the rest of, of the world. So I don't take this lightly when I say stand up. I understand we support Voice of the Martyrs, a great organization doing work in some very dark places of the world to get the word out. And it is different standing up for your faith in, um, you know, someplace like Yemen as opposed to other uh, in, in Mexico or Canada or certainly the United States. I get it. And this program is here to help uh, people everywhere understand that that's what is going on in the United States is not anything different than what other countries have experienced, peoples have experienced, and the lessons to be learned from those experiences in applying the Word of God. So, in the good news, I'm starting with good news. I've got a couple of things dealing with good news here. Is the very fact that this program is now reaching people all over the world who speak English. I don't speak anything other than English, other than a few few words in, in Dutch, very few, like about three, and, you know, maybe a dozen or so uh, Spanish expressions. I don't speak any other language. So wherever English is spoken, uh, and I will try not to go unduly fast for it's a second or third language for people, but I want everybody to hear this program because it applies to everybody. But anyway, I am thrilled that in our first broadcast last week, a trial broadcast, three particular nations showed up comprising almost 40% of the listening audience, Russia, Saudi Arabia, and India. I don't think they were in that order. I think India was first, um, but nonetheless. But I want to share with our, our, our foreign listeners some things that, that have caused me to smile about this development, beyond just the the regular good news. Number one, those of you in India, and I guess this would include Nepal to to your north, of course, one of the songs I have used for a long time on this program is Katmandu, a song I love by Bob Seger from my home state of Michigan. And he says, I'm going to Katmandu, and you're going to hear a part of it because we use it in every program. I thought it very intriguing and interesting that maybe the number one foreign market for this program thus far would include people who actually could be in Kathmandu hearing me play Kathmandu. Is that a coincidence? I don't think so. Uh, just a coinky-dink, as we say. <clears throat> Next one, for those of, uh, those of you who are in Russia, there's probably not been one radio personality in the United States who's spoken more highly of Vladimir Putin. Now, is he a perfect guy? Of course he's not. But I have always been intrigued by the mix of this man's ancestry, as I understand. And I can't vouch for for this. It's only what I read. If I'm wrong, you can let me know, info at redskyradio.net, that he had a strong, hardline communist father and a strong Christian mother. Hence, the the um, the intrigue about this man as to why he does what he does. It seems to speak to me of why he would stand up to the worst president the United States has ever had, Barack Hussein Obama. Why he would stand up to him at the time of the Olympics and say, "Don't you bring your lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender activists over to our country to poison and uh, taint our young people? Don't bring your LGBTQRSUVWXYZ agenda in here." I thought that very interesting. The man has also, uh, I understand that uh, Russian. You can correct me on this. Has reduced or eliminated. 
uh, advertising for abortions because the birth rate in Russia is going down. And I guess last, maybe least, but it's still significant, my favorite Vladimir Putin quote. I have said this on the air, but this is um, this. Well, let me put it back up this way. When Vladimir Putin said this quote, it was what caused me to state that all other things being equal, all other things being equal, if we had a vote in the United States between two presidential candidates, Vladimir Putin and Barack Obama, it's a no brainer. I would vote for Putin. And you know what? I know so many people who think the same, not just the Russians in this country who are here largely because of religious persecution uh, in many cases, and they may not be crazy about Putin, but they sure like him better than what Russia had before, and they certainly loved him, relatively speaking, loved him compared to Barack Obama. But this is a quote that changed my heart about the man and caused me to be intrigued and thinking, all right, I get it. I get this guy now. This is a quote, and I'll give you my conclusion from the quote. The quote was something to this effect. I may not be exact, but it's up to God to judge the terrorists. It's God's job to judge the terrorists, but it's my job to send them to him. It's God's job to judge the terrorists, but it's my job to send them to him. I thought I, I just think it's a fabulous quote when he said it, and it turned my attention to the man in a way that caused me to begin to follow him and come to one startling conclusion that draws a uh, almost an eerie similarity in this respect to our President Donald Trump. And that is, I think Vladimir Putin is about trying to make Russia great again. Not necessarily to kick everybody's butt around the world. I hope not, because I certainly wouldn't support that but to restore a sense of national pride of which there is nothing wrong to love your country. In fact, there's something wrong if you don't love your country, which is what ticks me off about the increasingly anti-American, anti-Semitism that's growing in the United States, a, a nation that's been friendlier to the Jews and the nation of Israel than any nation since Israel was formed. And now we have these yin-yang losers and our loser government institutions who are increasingly anti-American. 24 million young folks now support socialism, and they'll find that it works until you, what? As Margaret Thatcher says, it works until you run out of other people's money. Well, anyway, I'm digressing because I'm not actually done with the good news. The good news actually extends to this election. You say, oh, my gosh. You say the Democrats, they, they take back the House, and this is good news? I'm not saying it's good news because they did. I'm saying it's good news because notwithstanding all of the media lies, you'd think we were living in a dictatorship because the media is run by the left. The left-wing dollars, the enormous mega millions of dollars that went from left-wing losers into all sorts of races throughout the United States to support their little child from hell in that particular jurisdiction to tear down what is remaining of Christian institutions in other states to push what originally was part of the Communist Manifesto, to destroy the morals. We can destroy the country if we can destroy their morals. Clear and simple. Get in easy, quick divorce. Uh, uh, everything queer. Pot. Legalization of drugs. You name it. All of that tears at the fabric of the country. Fund the ACLU, so that they, the anti-Christian lynching union, so that you can destroy the foundations of this country, and then you could, then the country's destroyed. Because after all, the Bible says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can righteous people do? What can the righteous do? There's only one thing they can do, and that is attempt to start over, to rebuild the foundation. But the good news here is notwithstanding all the media lies, notwithstanding the enormous 
un, the horrific amount of money the left outspent the right, I don't know what, three to one in this election? Notwithstanding the identifiable, certifiable voter fraud that occurred. Oh, and we got, I mean, we've, we, I've got a quote from you, for you, coming out of Texas, a massive amount of illegal immigration. And Ted Cruz still won there. But the massive amount of illegal, immigra- illegal alien voting that occurred there, notwithstanding all that voter fraud. And you see, there's not, they say, well, there's not much voter fraud in California. That's because California's, California doesn't need voter fraud for California to be blue, blue. It only uses voter fraud in the close races because Democrats really have no morals. They got no guts. They got no cojones. They got no brains. I got this picture of Maxine Waters and Nancy Pelosi that a friend sent me as a joke. I'm trying to think of what caption do I put on this thing? Dumb and dumber? I mean, Maxine Waters is dumb. Nancy Pelosi is incredibly dumb. Nancy Pelosi makes Maxine Waters look like Einstein. I mean, we only have voter fraud where the races are close. Not in California, where people like Pelosi and Waters could win if they were, uh, conv- if they were convicted child predators. If they had a porn in business, Waters and Pelosi would still get elected in California. They don't need voter fraud. You need voter fraud in other parts of the country where the Democrats cannot hold back on using all the means possible to destroy the status quo, the Christian formation, and background of this country. So, you're still waiting for my good news, aren't you? What is the good news with this thing? With all the media lies, the enormous amount of money, the voter fraud, why didn't the Democrats win more of the House? Why didn't the Democrats take back the Senate? Uh, I mean, this is the good news, is that the Senate remained in Republican control. And if it is, if all of this stuff, all the money, fraud, and lies, you name it, they couldn't do that, then that tells me there is a God on the throne who raises up people and puts them down. And thank God he responded to prayers of people praying that Donald Trump would still have something to work with when this was done. And he does. And in a later segment of this program, I'm going to explain why this election is actually, actually, honestly, a Republican victory. And that is that is the good news. Uh, I mean, there's more good news here. The caravan, the illegal aliens. Do you think that helped the Democrats or the Republicans? They helped the Republicans. Goodness sakes, that was a boon to the conservatives. I mean, look, we just have to look at somebody like Merkel in Germany who's just a, is useless. I mean, I, did she have to buy a brain to get one? I mean, that country is being ru- ruined by illegal immigrants. I mean, actually, legal immigration. If you can ruin it through legal immigration, imagine what happens through illegal immigration. Well, this election was not a repudiation of Donald Trump. The media is trying to make it that. Like, we won the House. We took back the House. That's a repudiation of Trump. Well, if it's a repudiation of Trump, you Democrats, why didn't you win the Senate? Why didn't you? How could it be a repudiation of Trump on one hand and a victory for Trump on the other? Now, mind you, those states that were at risk of loss for Republican of, of Republicans in the Senate, every Democratic candidate who was pushing and beating up and trying to kick the daylights out of Kavanaugh during the Supreme Court ruling, lost. So this is my last point of the good news for today. Then we move on to some other stuff. Hang on. The Kavanaugh battle was an overplay by the devil, and it actually was critical. This is my take. I haven't read anybody say this. I haven't read anything that anybody has said that this, this so far. The Kavanaugh hearing helped the Republicans keep the Senate. The Kavanaugh beating, the Kavanaugh, the mistreatment of Kavanaugh by the left, which was just on, was which had gone steroid, insane. 
unbelievably nuts, unhinged at every level, demons in human clothing, helped the Senate stay Republican. Because every Democrat Senate candidate in a toss-up state that went against Kavanaugh lost. They overplayed their hand. Just the very thing the enemy of our souls frequently does. He gets ahead of steam. He thinks he can kill. He can close the deal by killing somebody off. God raises up an army of uh, could be one, could be two. It could be enough people praying, and uh, the enemy eats his own lunch. So it's not a repudiation of Trump. The fact of the matter is, if you're going to say that the House election was a repudiation of Trump, you have to state and say that the Senate was a vindication of Trump, and the caravan and all the media hype actually helped the Republicans in the Senate, and try and beating the tar out of Kavanaugh helped the Republicans in the Senate. The passage that comes to mind, that which the enemy has intended for evil, God will use for good. Wow. Okay. We are now going to enter into a civics lesson. I'm not going to say this doesn't apply to our foreign listeners, but just hear me out here. This is what's going on. This is a big election. And I, I we're going to have a bit of a civics lesson, uh, a little bit, and then also a political reality check here for the United States. And it's I'm going to start with number one. Why the loss of the House of Representatives? I got to tell you, you're going to not believe what I'm going to say. It really doesn't matter. I'm not going to say it totally doesn't matter. It does not matter as much as people think, except that it could be a harbinger for the future. But the way I put it, the more Democrats that got elected, that's the more that they get to lose the next time around. Now, I suppose the negative part of this thing would be the fact that we have Nancy Pelosi as a Speaker of the House. But you know what? I'm fine with that, folks. I am actually thrilled Nancy Pelosi is the Speaker of the House if the Democrats have won the House. That should be the Speaker. And here's why. You know what? I guess I should, I guess I'm still going with good news, sort of. I'm looking for the silver lining, and here it is. I I don't I couldn't imagine a better person representative of the lack of morality and the lack of brains in the Democrats than Nancy Pelosi to have this vacuum head speaking on behalf of her party is an utter disgrace and embarrassment or should be to every other Democrat. Look, I'm about to tell you. You may think this is harsh, but that doesn't mean it isn't true. I'm not concerned about harshness. I'm only concerned about truth. Nancy Pelosi is the most stupid person in the history of the United States to become or presumably become the Speaker of the House of Representatives. I'm not kidding. If a bullet went entered her left ear, now, Don't take me wrong here. I'm not telling or encouraging anybody to go shoot Nancy Pelosi. Realize this is an analogy. If a bullet entered Nancy Pelosi's left ear, it would emerge from her right ear without any material reduction in velocity. And why? Because the bullet is passing through a frictionless airspace. A bullet does not slow down passing through a vacuum. Now, have I made my point? Now, I'm not criticizing her for being dumb. I'm criticizing the people who elected such a dumb person. Now, I know what you're thinking. How can you say that she's the most stupid person to have ever served as uh, presumably Speaker of the House in the United States because she was a Speaker back in 2010 when when the Democrats lost the House of Representatives? Here's why. Because in 2018, Nancy Pelosi is even dumber than she was in 2010. She's always been dumb. She's always been stupid. But she's even more stupid than she's ever been. 
That's why my statement is true. Okay, a couple of other quick first, then I want to get onto this this civics lesson and a political lesson on our way to the biblical passages that you need to keep in mind when evaluating any, any election, any election, wherever you are in any state, anywhere in the United States, anywhere in the world, where you actually have fair elections. Now, that may be a big qualification, but if you're in a country where you don't have fair elections, I want you to hear this passage because this is passage later on in the program will instruct you how to know who to vote for when that day comes that you might actually have fair elections. But a couple of other firsts that I do think are indicative of something. State of Colorado has its first openly queer governor. Big deal? Yeah. As the LGBTQRSTU VWXYZ caravan continues to masquerade its debauchery as something holy and good and civil around the whole United States. The other one that's big, two Muslim women are now representatives, one from Michigan, one from Minnesota. And what's the problem there? The problem with them is the same problem really with every other Democrat. It's the issues they stand on. That I mean, initially... Farther down the road, there'll be other issues. So what did these three women campaign on for? Open borders. Oh, great. Oh, thanks. Uh, in other words, what you had we had under Barack Hussein Obama. Open borders. Oh, great. That's fine. Government control run health care. Oh, yeah, let's have more government. Let, I want to share something with people worldwide here. This is a simple fact. Write it down. When government gets bigger you get smaller. When government assumes more control over your life, you have less control of your life. When government takes over things, you have given up control over things. There's only so much control. There's only so much right. So if something increases, something has to decrease. And number three, gee, what a surprise that these two Muslim women are right there wanting to push for what every other Democrat is pushing for in this country. Gun control, gun control, gun control. You know what? California's had a gazillion gun control laws. They don't mean gun control. They're lying, just like all the Democrats lie. They mean for the confiscation of guns because only the possession of guns. Hear me out throughout the whole world. You can have your, you can have your right of speech. You could have your right of assembly. But you ain't got nothing unless you can defend yourself. The right to own guns is the number one requirement for a free society. And with that, I probably would disagree with most of the rulers in countries where there are people listening to this. Too bad, so sad. That's the fact. America's Second Amendment, the right to keep and bear arms, is what keeps us yet free Though as long as we keep moving away from God's word, we will end up without our guns, we'll end up dumping Israel, we'll end up being judged in a way where the United States is already starting to be judged. And we're going to actually cover that later in the program. So don't go away. There's a whole lot more. We're going to pack into this Power Pack special segment of the U.S. election on Red Sky Radio. Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter is a listener-supported program. Please know that 100% of your contribution goes to pay for airtime so that as many people as possible are able to hear that the Word of God has answers to every meaningful problem and issue in life. No one gets paid a salary at Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter, but in response to your support, we pledge to bring you the most timely and critical information you need to help make informed decisions in this age of media bias and a growing hostility to all things Christian. Your partnership makes you one of the watchmen on the wall with us, as described in the book of Ezekiel. Please send your support to Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. That's Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. Thank you. 
We are back. Rob Walder with Red Sky Radio. Let's get rolling. Man alive. I got so much to fit in here in the last 26 minutes. But the lesson here, I, I got started on this and then I got sidetracked, as frequently is the case. Why the House of Representatives doesn't matter nearly as much as we think. Now, I'm going to preface this with why I think the Republicans lost the House of Representatives. Uh, But it constitutes sort of why it might not matter. The Republican House of Representatives has passed a bloated budget. It's fat. I mean, the United States needs to go on a major weight loss program because it's the budget is bloated. We deficit spend. The Republican Congress threw us further into debt than we've ever been. The Republican Congress continued because it didn't have the guts. They didn't have the guts. I don't like gutless people. If you if you figure that out, I just don't like people who have no guts. I mean, I'm not, wait a minute. I don't dislike them. I just have no use for them. I don't want to have allies who are gutless, who don't have the the intestinal fortitude to stand up for what's right. I, I'll take them as friends. I don't want them as allies because they're a distraction. They will inf- infect good people and cause others to compromise. Sort of like the spies. This is a digression, but it's worth bringing up because I feel like God just brought this to me. When when Moses when, uh, came to the promised land in Canaan and they sent out the spies, the spies, uh, you know, checked out Canaan and uh, all the spies came back with a negative report because they were fraidy cats. Their knees were knocking. Their brains were shaking because there were giants in the land. Only Joshua and Caleb came back and said, hey, you guys, knock it off. If God's for us, who can be against us? We can take this land. God's given it to us. Go in in faith. Who do you think impacted, who do you think influenced the rest of the Hebrews? The 10 who were compromising, the 10 little cowards, the 10 little peewee Hermans who used to be supposedly men of God, but then got turned frayed and got scared and didn't have the guts to go in, or Joshua or Caleb? No. It was the ones who compromised, who inflicted and infected the rest of them with their compromise. They inflicted them and infected them with compromise, caused them to get scared, moan, groan, and they ended up, um, what, walking around in circles in the desert for the next 40 years. How's that for an extended vacation? That's what compromisers do to good people. That's what compromisers do to righteous causes. Like I've said before, give me some person who doesn't even share my faith. This is important who doesn't even share my faith, but has the guts to speak to the important, critical social issues of the day, I will take that person over some cowering coward, so-called Christian. I don't want those. They're, They're distractions. They're infections. They cause those who would be inclined to move forward strongly, swiftly, and with the assurance and confidence that God will give them victory, it causes them to change their mind, get rid of them. Unfortunately, the Republican Congress did not have the guts to defend, I'm sorry, defend. They did defend, in essence. They did defend by not defunding. They defended by not defunding Planned Parenthood, the official subsidized baby killer of the United States government. Half a billion dollars go to those butchers who think that somehow it's okay to intentionally and purposefully execute innocent, unborn human life. God is judging us for that, and we ain't seen nothing yet in this country after 62 million. And that's why these Republicans lost. The ones who have guts won. The ones who don't have guts lost. So they run up a bloated budget. They continue to fund 
planned non-parenthood, kill the unborn. They're kind of just, they're weenies. They ran the budget, the deficit through the roof. They didn't dump Obamacare because they're afraid of being voted down. Guess what? You got what you deserve. You got voted down. Now it's turned over to the Democrats. Hey, at least we know what they we know that they mean what they're going to do. Some of the Republicans have said, "Ah, we're going to defund Obamacare. We're going to defund Planned Parenthood." They don't do it. Well, the, the the Democrats come in and they say, "We love Obamacare. We want to we want to expand Planned Parenthood so more people can kill their babies." At least we know where they stand, don't we? We do. We know where they stand. No, that's not why I'm glad we have somebody who is honest and they're evil as opposed to somebody who's duplicitous and lying and deceiving in their alleged righteousness. Although the Word of God does say it's a bad thing to hold the word and truth of righteousness in unbelief, in, to hold the Word of God in unrighteousness. That's evil. To hold the word of God in unrighteousness. Do unrighteous things with the word of God, like Barak Hussein, who contended that Jesus' Sermon on the Mount was a scriptural basis for legalizing sodomy and having queer marriage. There's nothing in the Sermon on the Mount that has anything to do with homosexual sex other than maybe the word mount. Okay? Let's get that straight. He was a wolf in sheep's clothing, and the wolf wasn't well disguised. But here's the deal. This is why maybe it doesn't matter. The House doesn't really do anything anymore. All they do is pass bloated budgets. And we'll get another bloated budget, but here's the deal. Trump can veto it. There are not enough Democrats in Congress to override President Trump's vetoes. Now, Trump's got to hold the line. You see, the House of Representatives has turned over the running of this country. They've, in effect, turned over the legislation of this country and legislative creation to bureaucrats. They don't really do that much anymore. They really don't. So this is what the House is going to do. They'll pass a bunch of legislation that won't get passed because Trump will veto it. Maybe maybe the Senate won't pass it either. The Senate can block it. You people, people say, in fact, I had a person just ask me this morning, well, what about the gridlock? What about the gridlock? you got one party running one portion of government and another party running another portion of government. That's gridlock. We won't get anything done. My response, glory, hallelujah. How much does government do that's good? That's how we got that's how we got the, the bad stuff we got. Look, I want to give you a definition of gridlock. Gridlock is when something doesn't happen because you have opposing and competing forces in play. People say gridlock is bad. I don't not necessarily. It depends what would have been accomplished if there were no gridlock. If what it would have been accomplished would be good, then gridlock is bad. If what would have been accomplished is bad, then gridlock is good. Look, when we passed uh, the uh, uh, the Unaffordable Care Act, the Ob- Obamacare, that horrible legislation, I would have loved gridlock, folks. We didn't have any. But because we didn't have gridlock, we streamlined through bad legislation. I'm going to make it even simpler. Let's suppose a couple of guys rob a bank. They exit with a million dollars, and they jump in a getaway car, which goes who that starts to take off down the street, and all of a sudden they're stuck in a traffic jam caused by an accident in an intersection. In other words, the thieves are stopped because of gridlock. Tell me, was gridlock good or was gridlock bad? Gridlock was good. It stopped a bad thing. Okay, so the other reason here that the, the, the House is somewhat irrelevant is because the Senate stayed in Republican hands, and between the two, you want to 
have the Senate be with good people. Why? Well, you saw in the Kavanaugh hearing, all the Democrats come unglued, unhinged. They go berserk. They become maniacal. They look like they look like uh, maniacs on steroids, even more maniacal than most maniacs. Why? Because they are at risk or they fear of losing their precious so-called constitutional right to execute unborn children. The Supreme Court is a court that provides the advice, the consent, and the approval on all judicial appointments. You see, at some point, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is going to go toast. She's going to go ten toes up while she's six feet down. I, and, and some other, for every bad judge that dies or retires, Trump has the opportunity to replace that man or woman with a good judge. This drives the Democrats crazy. It's they they are bonkers over the Supreme Court and the courts in general. And why? Because they know that most people, if they're God fearing people, will not support what ungodly judges force, ram, cram, slam, and jam down the throats of God fearing people. The judges in the United States that were supposed to be the weakest branch are the worst branch when they're in bad hands because you can't get rid of those suckers. That's why they fought tooth and nail. That's why they tried to slam Kavanaugh. Did we hear anything just the other day about another Kavanaugh accuser who is uh, under investigation and now she's come out and said that she's recanted her whole story? In other words, one more liar. No, we don't hear anything about it. But the, but the Dems will do anything if they can get control of the judges to impose on this country and our people what they can't get done at the ballot box. It's what it's all about. So here's what the House is going to do. They're going to continue on once these Democrats are installed in their frothing lather about impeaching Trump. Here's the good news. This is why this is a civics lesson. Impeachment doesn't mean the president's thrown out. It just means that the House brings this indictment against the president, but the actual trial occurs in the Senate. And the Senate is not going to complete the impeachment process. And even if they did, who rises up? A God-fearing great man in Vice President Mike Pence. It will be the Democrats' worst nightmare honestly, to have now a likable righteous man in the Oval Office. So uh, this election, it was a reflection on some things. Because of the way things have gone, it does reflect, not it's not a referendum on Trump. If it's a referendum on Trump in the House, as I said, it's a vindication of Trump in the Senate. But it is a, referent, a reflection of the decline, declining influence of the gospel of Jesus Christ in America and in American politics. But continuing on with my previous point about the Senate here, this is why the Democrats aren't really all that euphoric about taking the House, because they know the House is fundamentally impotent. It can't make anything happen. They prepare the budget. They pass the budget. But this got to be approved by the Senate. They can't do jack squat diddly other than spend all their time wringing their hands and licking their chops during an impeachment process and waste a whole bunch of taxpayer money. They want to keep killing people as the, as the future. The presidential appointment is everything. I am thrilled that Kavanaugh's hearing went the way it did. And those Republicans who stood up those are the ones who got elected. Now, God's word. What does it say? This is important. And you don't have a paper and pen, take them down. God's word speaks to this issue of the U.S. elections. But the U.S. election is only, only an example. Now, for those of you who don't have fair elections and hope that you will someday, I want to give you the requirements for godly leadership. And I want to remind everybody in the U.S. a requirement for godly leadership. And it comes out of, gee, guess where we get it from? The Communist Manifesto? No. The U.S. Constitution? No. 
amazing we get it out of the book of Exodus. If you go to Exodus chapter 18, verse 21, you will see God's three-part requirement for leaders. This is true whether you're running for the dog catcher in Maryland or whether you're running for some Politburo spot in Russia. I don't care where you are. It doesn't matter. God's word applies equally throughout the whole world. This is true everywhere. These are the requirements. You're to choose able men, those that fear God. Fear God. If you don't fear God, you're going to do all sorts of evil. Fear God. You love the truth, and you hate covetousness. And I've said this before. This is where Republicans, they can fear God. They can love the truth, but they don't hate covetousness for all of them because they get to Washington, D.C., and they love the power, the perks, the privilege, all the, the platform. They're, they're, they love that stuff, and they, or they can fall in love with it, and they start to covet it. They want to keep all the advantages that political power has given them. That is why Donald Trump is so good. He is one of the few who really does not covet the job. Man of truth, I don't know, most of the time, fear God. He says he does. He's doing good things. But that is a requirement worldwide and for all eternity where anybody has a role to play in the election or selection of those people who are going to rule over them. And because we have had this blessing and privilege in the United States, it also then makes us more vulnerable to God's judgment when we move away from God's word and we do elect and select bad people, bad people who hate God, people who hate Jesus, people who are um, El Shaddaiophobic, Right? Elohimophobic. They're Christophobic. They're afraid of and don't like Jesus Christ. They're bibliophobic. They hate and don't like, they're afraid of the Bible and the words that, the, that are in it. But because we have been given much in this country, much has been required of us. Much has been required. And you see, judgment, as it says in the Bible, begins at the house of God. So the nation that doesn't know much isn't judged by much. The nation that's been given much, like Israel, to have them turn against God is why they got judged so severely, which is why God in his long suffering is sparing the United States for a little while. I don't know what for. Maybe because we got to get more programs like this out throughout the whole world. But he's sparing us because judgment begins at the house of God. To whom much has been given, much is required. We have been given much, much is required, and we are failing that test. That's why people everywhere need to pray, not only for their own countries, but those in other countries, we covet your prayers for the United States because the United States, for better or for worse, is a big influence. And it can be an influence for good if good people are in charge. It's an influence for bad if bad people are in charge, which brings us to another Bible verse. Gee, what? how amazing that the Bible keeps popping up. Proverbs, I think it's 20, uh, boy, what is it, 29.2. This says that when the righteous are in authority, people rejoice, but when the wicked rule, the people mourn. You see, wicked people do bad things. The bad things have an influence on society. Don't give me any of this crapola about how Bible and the politics doesn't mix. You can't separate them. You got bad people, they do bad things, and the, and the people mourn because they do bad things. Because they suffer the consequences of the bad things that their rulers do. When good people are in authority, they do good things, and the people are benefit from that, and they rejoice, even if they cannot connect even if they can't make the connection between a good person and the way things are going. This is what amazes me with this election. Why would so many people be so dumb, so stupid, to vote for the party that sunk our economy 
when we have a party that has done great things for our economy. Well, that's the strength of the media, the lies of the media, the power of the media, the money that is on the left. And here's another one. A nation is blessed whose God is the Lord. You want to live in a blessed nation? Then you pray that godly leaders be raised up. Your country will be blessed. And if they aren't, you won't be blessed. It isn't that. It just isn't that complicated, folks. Jeremiah 18, 8 through 10. Take this down. Wherever you are in the world, write this down. Because this is a this is a warning to the United States and a huge warning to the United States, and it's a huge message of hope to everyone who's suffering in a nation whose God is not the Lord. This is from Jeremiah 18.8. In a moment, I, the Lord, shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck it up and to pull it down and destroy it. If that nation against whom I have pronounced turns from, oh, I'm sorry, we're both good. If a nation that I have said I'm going to destroy, if it turns from its evil, I will repent of the evil. I will change my mind that I thought to do that to them. In other words, a nation that has been evil, if it repents and it turns back to God, God's going to change his mind. And he says, and at the moment, I shall speak concerning a nation, a nation to build it up, to plan it, to establish it. If they then do evil in my sight, that it will not obey my voice, then I will change my mind. I will repent of the good wherewith I would benefit them and bless them, and they will receive judgment. You see, there is no nation currently. I mean, Israel has its blessing. It's sort of unique. But the United States is not special for any longer period of time than a father. KKXX, Paradise, K280GL, Chico, and K283AR. News this hour from townhall.com. I'm Keith Peters. President Trump has asked for and gotten the resignation of Attorney General Jeff Sessions. In a letter to the president, Sessions writes, at your request, I am submitting my resignation. The president tweeted the news, saying Matthew Whitaker, who's been Sessions' chief of staff, will become acting attorney general. The resignation ends what became a toxic relationship, with the president publicly and personally ripping Sessions for months for stepping aside from the Russia investigation. The president said Sessions' move had opened the door to the appointment of special counsel Bob Mueller, who took over the probe and looked at whether Trump's criticism of Sessions was part of a bigger effort to obstruct justice. Sagar Magani at the White House. Sessions walked out Wednesday evening to applause from more than 150 employees who gathered in a courtyard at the Justice Department. As he left, Sessions appeared emotional and said thank you and God bless before hopping into a waiting SUV. The Girl Scouts are suing the Boy Scouts for dropping the word boy from their name in a bid to attract girls. The Girl Scouts say the Boy Scouts' name change is causing confusion, enrollment issues, and damage to the brand. They say the Boy Scouts of America had no right under New York state and federal law to use words like scouts or scouting by themselves in connection with services offered to girls or to rebrand itself as the Scouts, which has already started accepting girls to its Cub Scouts program and next year will fully open to girls. The trademark infringement lawsuit was filed in Manhattan Federal Court. Julie Walker, New York. Republican Brian Kemp's campaign advisor says the candidate is declaring victory in the Georgia governor's race. Kemp has just more than 50 percent of Tuesday's vote, which would give him the majority threshold needed to secure a victory. On Wall Street, that out by 545 points. The Nasdaq rose 195. The S&P advanced 58. More on these stories at townhall.com.
Pat Boone here again for Relief Factor, the company that's helping thousands of people, just like my wife Shirley and me, deal with all kinds of occasional aches and pains. For years, Shirley struggled with her neck and her shoulder pain kept her from sleeping through the night. A lot of people, just like Shirley, struggle with aches and pains due to aging or exercise. Why don't you order the three-week quick start? It's now only $19.95, and let's see if we can get you out of pain, too. Go to relieffactor.com. The holidays are just weeks away, but there's still time to get your home guest ready with brand new made-to-order custom blocks.